You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2007 Frankfurt Avenue. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.net. Hey, I'm Johnny. I use he, him pronouns. I'm going to offer you a message that I hope encourages you, blesses you, stimulates you, gives you some, uh, something to work with. We're going to start by reading some of the Bible. This reading is from Acts 9, and it's 20 verses. So can we get that up, Will? And then we'll have two volunteers read it. One volunteer is going to read it until, just read the first paragraph, and then we'll go to the second one. Can you all do that? Could be on Zoom, could be in person. Who wants to do it? Anybody want to read? Anyone can read, and if you get to a word you don't know, just guess. Meanwhile, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if if he found any who belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He asked, who are you, Lord? The reply came, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and you'll be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless because they heard the voice, but saw no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. For three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Let's have another volunteer, get another voice in the mix. Maybe a woman or a non-binary person. Could also be on Zoom. All right, Alex. Why don't you read some and then pass it to Shu a little bit later when you feel like you're done. Then we'll get everybody. It's fun. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Aeneas. The Lord said to him in a vision, Aeneas, he answered, here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, get up and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Aeneas coming in and to lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Aeneas answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief of priests to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before the Gentiles and kings, before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Aeneas went and entered the house. He laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on your way here, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, something like scales fell from his eyes and his sight was restored. Then he got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. For several days, he was with the disciples in Damascus, and immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. Thanks, y'all.
Let's pray before we keep going, shall we? So join me in prayer. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. The pandemic, which is not over in my opinion, despite what Tony Fauci says, has changed us in a lot of different ways. Um, But one of the notable ways it changed me was, excuse me, was learning to observe and take note of the things around me, specifically around like creation, like uh, stuff that grows in the ground and in wildlife and so on. So like, it's nice that Kristen's here because a few years ago, this is a familiar scene, right? A few years ago when I was, uh, that's me by the way, I've changed too. Um, When I was still studying to earn my Master of Divinity at Palmer Theological Seminary, the seminary of Eastern University, Kristen and I went to school together. Um, My friend noted there's this beautiful cascade of trees, there's red, red leaves in them. You should look at it. And then I remarked, probably in that moment, who cares about trees? Like, why would I notice that? It sounds terrible. It sounds like it's not, like, that's not a nice thing to say, particularly. And as I look back, I'm a little shy and embarrassed that I did this. But that was really what I thought. Like, I don't, you know, we're outside. You know, like, I don't, nor, like, I don't, I just wasn't built to notice that. I didn't, I didn't have any reason to, you know. Then I went, I, I, I went the other way to the library to get back into my head where I belong, you know, where I, where, where, where I am safe. And in general, I like to live, live inside my head, you know, just right, like right above my eyes, you know, this kind of area. Um, and, and that helps me, keeps me from my feelings, right? Keeps me from my desires, those pesky desires and other painful things, right? It's easy not to feel, to, it's easy not to desire. It's easy to cut those off because there's a lot, there's, there could be a lot of joy in them, but there's also a lot of pain and sadness too, you know, and... When I'm experiencing the pain and the hardship and the sadness, it's really hard to imagine why, why I'm a, uh, why I would bother to feel at all. Now, I'm going to share this story, this little bit of a story with you, so you're getting to know me, not necessarily so that you can relate. I just want you to know that. Like, I want you to think of your own stories about how this works. So, a few nights ago, um, Thursday night, as it were. Um, the basketball team I watched closely had a very decisive victory um, against uh, the rival that we were playing in Toronto. And it was in Toronto when we won decisively, and that was very exciting, okay? And the Philadelphia Phillies, a baseball team that I like, had finished a four-game sweep as well. And the Philadelphia Eagles, it was NFL draft night. We drafted um, Jordan Davis, who is a 341 pound human being who runs a 4.5. He is very large and very fast, and it's very exciting to have this uh, real like uh, pinnacle of God's creation on our team. And then we, we maneuvered in some way to get another a wide receiver named A.J. Brown, right, who is a very skilled person. And, and then I, I thought to myself, this is why. A day like this is why I love being a Philadelphia sports fan. It was beautiful. You know, and all the suffering and torment and difficulty came to life, had, had bore fruit, and now I could feel the good feelings, you know? Because most of the time, 
I feel like to be a, you got to be a friggin' idiot to be a sports fan because of the pain and the loss and the suffering. And then the next day, we found out Joel Embiid had a fracture in his right eye, or like for this area of his eye. Now he has to wear a mask. And the Phillies got no hit by the Mets. They didn't get any hits, you know. And then I was like, oh, it really is terrible to be a sports fan, right? My point is, I generally avoid these kind of feelings about more important matters than sports because of that cycle of pain and loss and, and, and then just the hope of joy when life is just suffering anyway. But the pandemic brought me out of my mind and took me outside. We would spend time in the Police Touch Museum parking lot because the, the Police Touch Museum was closed. And then there's a, there's a whole like arbor like there's an arboretum behind it and all these trees and we'd walk around and I swear I heard birds for the first time singing to me. Yeah, can you believe that? Took the whole pandemic, Nora, for me to hear any birds. That's what it felt like. I would have never noticed. I noticed cherry blossoms. You know, I didn't even know that was a thing before really or why someone would care about it and there's a whole festival for them. I developed an affinity for the uh, American robin, the red-breasted robin, the sign of spring to me now, when I never used to think about birds, the sign of spring is coming. And I developed a love for the robin in contrast with the arrogant cardinal, right, or the obnoxious blue jay, these other birds that I don't like as much. So, yeah, the humble robin, you know, Cardinals red and blue jays just mock the other animals. They, they sometimes will make a hawk sound in the middle of the woods and scare all the animals away. And they, they're sort of like the jerks of the forest as far as I'm concerned. I started checking the weather, preparing for it, thinking, oh, it's going to be nice on this day. We should go outside, take long, long walks with friends instead of sitting in a coffee shop, you know. That never used to happen before. So things change. I'm noticing things outside of me. Paying attention to new, new things, too. The other day, I heard a woodpecker. And then I looked up in the tree and I saw the woodpecker. Immediately. You know, it was speckled. It was white. It, it was white and it had these black speckles on it. And then I saw it pecking and we knew, I, knew it was, I knew it was the woodpecker. And I was walking in Fern Hill recently and I was looking at the ground and I saw a praying mantis right before I stepped on it. And I was like, look, I saw the mantis. It's very cool. I didn't step on it, no. And then the other day I was in Donovan's front yard and I saw a praying mantis nest. And I said, Donovan, this is, this is filled with lots of baby praying mantises. What'd you do with that thing anyway? You saved it? It was, they're probably colonial praying mantises that were introduced to the area. So it's still better than some other forms of like pest control, but just so you know. And I learned these things. I think about them. I care about them. What's happening to me? My eyes are opening up. I'm seeing things in a new way. I'm seeing God around me in creation after only seeing God in the books that I was reading and, uh, and what I was writing too. You know, I never used to do that before. Something new is happening. So if you see me in the street walking by myself, 
talking by myself, you'll know what's happening with me. Something new is happening. That newness, that experience of scales falling from my eyes is similar to what Apostle Paul here, when he was Saul, experienced on Damascus Road before becoming Paul, right? Sometimes we read this story. Let's go back to Caravaggio here. Sometimes we see this story and we think of conversion, like you, uh, Christian conversion, conversion to Christianity from another religion or another school of thought. But I think it's a story about really seeing what's before us more than anything. Seeing what's before us, seeing who we are in changing. It's a story of Paul learning how he brought oppression and death and then repenting of that. What if that's what conversion meant to us? What if conversion meant divesting from what has oppressed us and others and moving into something else? This weekend, our leadership team and some guests were involved in anti-racist training called Roots of Justice, where we were learning how we participated in systems of death and oppression and repenting of them. We were being converted too. Our eyes were opening up. We could see new things and new ways, and we listened to each other and tried to learn how we could bring these way of understanding the world into our church, but also into our lives. The writer of Acts depicts Saul as a brutal person, ready to capture and bind Christians who belong to the way, the way of Jesus. That's what they called it. And he heads towards Damascus, and he's trying to capture Christians. And he's struck down by a blinding flash of light, and he sees Jesus. He sees someone. He hears someone. He sees someone. It's me, Jesus, he says, the one you've been persecuting. And he sends Saul then on a mission to Damascus. His eyes are open, but he can't see. Go to Damascus. You'll find out what to do there. And the others that are with him don't see Jesus. They hear Jesus. They don't see Jesus. So God reveals God's self to us when we are ready to receive God or when God wants to. God reveals God's self according to God's will. So, so the moments that we connect With God, God is relating to us. There's a choice. There's a moment of connection. And when it happens with you, it's particular for you, right? So keep paying attention to what's happening in your life. Change it from this idea that you have to understand certain concepts to follow Jesus, but wait for Jesus to meet you. It's less about your mental ascent and more about the experience of relating to God in whatever way it can happen, right? I'm learning that. I can see God around me now in new ways, I can see God around me now in new ways, in ways that I couldn't before. So then the Lord calls Ananias to go visit Paul, to lay hands on him and heal him. And Ananias is concerned. Why would I do that? Why would I go convert this person, talk to them? Why would I relate to this person? They oppress us, people like us. They persecute you. Jesus, why would I go? Saul is a terrible person who's done awful things to us. You know? He says awful things. He does awful things. He's brutal, right? He's an obnoxious, loud, arrogant, loud mouth bother. Why would I try to convert him? Doesn't Jesus know what harm Saul has done to Jesus' followers? What's happening here? But the Lord wants to use Saul as an instrument specifically with Gentiles. Gentiles means like non-Jewish people and help people follow him. And he specifically wants us to use him 
for us for a purpose. And Ananias obeys him, finally. And when he greets him, he greets him as brother, brother Saul. So already Ananias has overcome his own hesitation and includes the person in the family, brother Saul. He's already in the fold. He's already connected. He overcomes his own prejudice and he listens to the Lord despite a very, very good reason not to. And he heals Saul and scales fall from his eyes and his journey as Paul begins. And then he starts telling everybody that Jesus is the son of God. Something new is happening. He never used to do that before. Something different is happening. Something happened to Saul. Now he's Paul doing something different, something new, right? He's not persecuting Christians anymore. He's helping people follow Jesus just like I was noticing things around me, just like, you can see, just like you might be able to see things in new ways. Ananias is like Jonah from the Old Testament being sent to Assyria, to Nineveh. The Assyrians were a brutal, brutal empire, and Nineveh was the heart of Assyria. And Jonah still went to that area despite not wanting to, after he got swallowed by a big fish for three days. You might know the story, and then went on this mission to minister to his enemies. Often God sends us into hostile territory to do God's work. Ananias' obedience shouldn't be taken lightly, though. The writer doesn't really tell us the likely anguish he was going through to do this. Because it's not fun, it's not easy, it's difficult. And if I were him, I would be reluctant to do so. It's hard to do this work. It's hard enough to approach someone who wants you imprisoned at all. Let alone imagining this person as a potential liberator. I hope that God can give us this imagination for these possibilities, for these impossible things. I admit I have been so disappointed by people who can't make the choice to follow Jesus and instead go their own way that I'm not sure I'd think Paul could change. It's hard to imagine people changing. We're not the agents that change people, though. Ananias didn't change Saul. Saul had an encounter with Jesus. Jesus met him in the moment, and then he chose to follow. My experience is that people so often don't change. I understand why I need to have my eyes open to that possibility, but I'm relieved knowing that it isn't my work to change somebody's mind. It's their work, and, I, and God will work with them in, on that. You know, That's helpful for me to know. Ananias wasn't going to a hostile Paul, Saul, and converting him. The work had already been done. God had already met him. So we pray for those moments. I pray for those moments with people that have hurt me, oppressed me, abused me, and same with all of us. So I pray that those people in your life change and grow. I have questions about myself. Will people accept me for who I am? Will people understand me when I'm fully myself? Can I have a relationship where I can be fully myself? My experience suggests otherwise. But how do I change the pattern? How do I put myself out there and risk being rejected or oppressed? 
that hesitation to feel for me, to see, to observe the things around me is rooted in fear of pain, right? Stay up here. Don't make it abstract, you know? Don't make it concrete. Don't make it material. Stay up here. Don't access your desires. Don't feel your desires. Stay up here, right? That's, that's my process. How can I see something new, you know? And in our journey to making, to helping Circle of Hope, our church, be more anti-racist, I had to open myself up to wounds of racism that I experienced. It wasn't an abstract idea. I had to feel the pain, as opposed to just making it intellectual, which is appealing to me, which I like doing, you know? And then I finally accessed my own pain and realize, oh, this isn't just a matter of politics. It isn't just a matter of theology. It isn't just a matter of something abstract. It's a matter of uh, something personal. You know, they asked me at the, anti, at the Roots of Justice training, why do you want to do this training? And I said, Circle of Hope becoming anti-racist is a matter of my survival, right? It's not, I don't have a choice. I'm either going to be less than or we're going to create an environment where BIPOC are fully dignified. So I either stomach the oppression or allow or 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 or, or resist the, the force of death that racism is. And we do that in other areas too, ableism and homophobia too. You know, for a long time we've been trying to help Circle of Hope become more uh, LGBTQIA inclusive too. And we have a sordid history with that. And I participated in perpetuating that, and I hope I did my part in helping us become affirming too. Um, and that was a largely intellectual idea too. That was largely in my head too. But I, you know, throughout the time, I felt personal about it. I felt close to it. I felt like it mattered, you know. And you know, for me, slowly you, you realize, oh, how personally invested I am in this for reasons that I didn't know before. Something's happening in me. There's new feelings and desires in me that I'm now invested in. This is why you wanted Circle of Hope to be affirming, at least in part, because it actually affected you, too. It affected me, too. So I have often ex my, expressed my own experience of racism in the world and the church and of homophobia in the world and the church and been met with pain and rejection. So who can be saved? How can this work? These are the questions I wonder about. Again, the key is that Ananias didn't convert Saul, but rather Ananias gave meaning to Saul's encounter in Damascus. The Spirit did the heavy lifting to opening Saul's eyes. We are looking for people who have had a meaningful experience. And when we find those people, when we have our meaningful experience with God, we can be Ananias to one another. We can heal one another. We can connect with one another after this happens. So we pray for these moments. We pray for moments of sight that come from relating to God, that come from the creation, that come from these encounters. The Spirit did the heavy lifting to open Saul's eyes. We are looking for people like that, right? We're looking for people who have seen a flashing light and need help understand it. On our... On our road to becoming an anti-oppressive church, what are the experiences we need to have to change? How does someone who is suspicious of anti-racism become anti-racist? How does someone with a prejudice against queer folks become LGBTQIA affirming? We hope we have an experience that helps them change. We hope that they can see this. 
Saul had to be ambushed by Jesus, struck down, made blind, had to have a dramatic experience, and his life changed after that. We are hopeful for those life-changing experiences. We are hopeful that they can happen. And sometimes they're dramatic, and they will ask you a lot. As we became more anti-oppressive, an anti-oppressive church, an anti-racist church, it, it really, in some ways, just tore us apart. People resisted the experience and the, 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 the change and left us or moved on or victimized our BIPOC and so on. But still, for others, it changed them too. You know, for a lot of Americans, in the summer of 2020, witnessing Derek Chauvin killed George Floyd, right? This brutal, brutal act was caught on video. We saw it, right? Changed people's minds. We need those to have that. We need to see the pain around us, the experience. We need Jesus telling us, you have been persecuting me when you allow those people to be persecuted. For a lot of people, becoming LGBTQIA affirming for, is personal. It matters when you talk to someone who's close to you that's queer. Some of the most conservative people I know changed because one of their child, children came out to them and it became personal. It's very surprising. Doesn't always work that way. I know it doesn't. Sometimes it does. We hope for those experiences. We hope it could just mean listening to the people and the experience of those we've harmed. I know that my experience isn't enough in many cases. Because when I've shared my experience, it, never, it, some, it just didn't work sometimes. You know, I've had people say, I just don't believe you. So it doesn't always work. It's not a sure thing. And so we're looking for people who are emotionally available and receptive to this. And if you encounter someone who isn't, you don't need to um, sacrifice your whole dignity for them. Your sincerity is the best obstacle toward people who are prejudiced against you. But then they have to make a choice. It does knock them down. When you share your experience, someone might think you're canceling them. But it's about your experience and your feelings, right? That could convert someone or it couldn't. I do think that they have to be receptive to it. Saul was. Saul followed, obeyed. Ananias healed him. He could see. So for me, the pandemic taught me to pay attention to trees, to blossoms, to birds. That never used to happen before. It helped me understand my own experience of racism in the church and moved me to do something. It shed away systems of power that kept me from knowing myself intimately. I learned about new things in myself and in my body. It changed me as I became acquainted with my own pain and my own suffering. I learned new things about myself. And those new things came with freedom, but they come with anguish too. You have to dare to feel those things in you. And a lot of people don't want to feel them. But where, whatever social position you find yourself in, look for them. Some of our minorities, be it disabled sexual minorities or racial minorities, can't help but feel those things. So they're galvanized by them. They're changed by them. They go closer to God because of them. And if you feel like you're in the power position, feel your pain too. 
change along with us. It can be easy to look back at all the times we didn't see the world clearly, but let's move forward into what's next for what we see now. Pray for those Damascus Road experiences and moments so that you can see what God has next for you, so that you can change how God wants you to change too, so that you can be open to conversion. Keep looking for them. Keep looking for those moments. It might hurt. It might blind you. Scales might have to fall off your eyes. Keep looking for them. Keep praying for them. Amen. Let's pray and then we'll do some talk back. Thank you, Lord, for being present and being faithful. Help us to obey you. Help us to find you and follow you. Show us your way, Lord. Change us in the way that we need to. Help us to keep moving with you, being people that give life and light and hope. Amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.